Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and we're going to be getting right back into 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 today, starting off at verse number 16 concerning the reality of who we are as the temple of God. And it's very important for us to understand that as much as our corporate gatherings as concerning the church are very much important uh, it's also important for us to understand that, that our individual lives before God are very important. And that God, when He judges us, doesn't judge us conglomerately as a corporate body, but He judges us individually as concerning the talents and the abilities and the, des the desire that he has for our lives versus the way in which we used our lives rather for our own pleasure, rather for our own means, or for his good pleasure and for his kingdom. So it's very, very important for us to understand the connection today concerning the temple of God as yesterday we looked at the judgment that would be faced by the believers as the trial of fire that we will have to go through. We saw that it began at the house of God, which of course being that we are individually as well as the church, we are the temple of God. We understand that his judgment begins with us, and we realize that it's a judgment that is dealing with uh, what we've done, how we've served the Lord in this life as compared to how we've served ourselves in his in the place of the Lord. So, lots of things to consider today as we turn to the Lord. Father, we ask that you will give us wisdom to be able to connect with your word, to understand those areas of our lives, Lord, that we need to change. For certainly, we're not all perfect, Lord. We, we have not obtained that level of Godhead that gives us the ability to do everything just right. And so there are in every lives, Lord, that, that connect to this particular broadcast today or podcast, there are things that do need to be changed. We just simply ask you, Lord, to give us the courage to change them. We pray that you'll give us the wisdom to see the need for the change, that we may be able to become the changes that are needed in our own lives, that we may better serve you, serve your kingdom, and and be that blessing that you have saved us to be. And we'll thank you and praise you for how you work now in us, with us, and through us. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So as we get into this section of scripture that we have before us today, we begin in verse number 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, and we read down to the end of the chapter. The scripture says, No, you... Don't you know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he that takes the wise and he takes the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, 
for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. When we get to this point at the very end, he said, let no man glory in other men is the point. No, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. I, I think about that, and, and oftentimes I, I used to have a wall in my bedroom, and that wall was just plastered with with different cutouts from from skateboard magazines of these different skateboarders that I used to think were just amazing. And now, what's really neat about some of those skateboarders that I really enjoyed back in the 80s and in the early 90s was that they, they've built a Christian coalition now, and they, they spend their time at the skate parks trying to speak with the other up-and-coming young generations of skateboarders about the need for, for Jesus, which I had no idea until about a couple of years ago that that was the case. But there, there are several of the people back in, in, in the skateboarding days that, that you know, we, I idolized, literally had posters plastered all over my wall. Well, then I would go to my buddy's house, and he wasn't a skateboarder, but he was he was a basketball guy, and he had Michael Jordan up on that wall, and he he had all of these other guys, these different posters, uh, Nike Air posters, and different things of that nature that that had all of these different basketball stars that he was enthralled by, and he would be constantly watching the games while he's cooped up in the house on the TV watching the games. I'd be out on uh, downtown Roanoke running around like a hoodlum on a skateboard tearing up park benches and all kinds of stuff and and so that we we had our different ways of of worshiping man but nevertheless we had those posters we watched those games we studied those statistics we 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 tried to emulate those people that we thought were the coolest people and so that you have uh, folks that get get carried away in politics and they they have different different people that they worship that they think are really cool that they think are really good that they they study their tactics they study these things they they they've got their picture up on their wall they've got all this other stuff and and the point is is that this may apply to every single people or every single person watching this right now that there would be some somebody throughout the days of your life that you thought was so cool you followed them you you considered them as someone important you listened to everything that they said you 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 knew a lot about them and and this is one of those things where where verse number 21 comes into play of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 says let no man glory in men that this level of attention that would be poured out towards these other people that that happened to be in my past or happened to be in my buddy's past or happened to be in your past it may be your present i don't know but this level of of attention this level of glory that you would be extending unto this other person is a glory that actually is meant for god now in all fairness before 
when I was in those glory days of skateboarding and my buddy in his days of basketball and sports playing and and other people that I knew in other realms, this is before we knew Jesus. This is before we knew anything about God. And so that when when I came to faith in Christ, all those things that previously were so important to my life became a whole lot less important. I wanted Jesus. I wanted his word. I wanted to know him. I understood even from the point of my salvation, though I had a long way to grow, and by the way, we still have a long way to grow, but I still understood that glory is no longer something that should be extended to man. Man isn't the th- the one to whom we worship. Mankind and, and our fellow men, they aren't the ones to whom we praise. They aren't the ones to whom we, we give our devotion. They're not the ones to whom we turn our hearts and, and worship. This is a position that only belongs to Jesus because none of those people on this earth that I formerly would think to be an amazing, that, that my buddy would think to be amazing, none of these people can do what Jesus did. None of these people could satisfy the way Jesus satisfies. None of these other people can be who Jesus is. Only Jesus stands tall as the Son of God. Only Jesus stands tall as the Lamb of God and the Savior of mankind. Only Jesus can be the mediator between God and me. Only Jesus. And thus we discover that that the glory that we have in our favorite baseball team or our favorite football team or our favorite our favorite golf team or our, our favorite skateboarder, if it was, snowboarder, if it was, or, or surfer, as it was. Our, our glory in, in our quote-unquote favorites actually is a glory that belongs only unto Christ. So there might be a need for us to change Man, it may be innocent. It may be that we didn't understand. It may be that we didn't realize that we were not giving glory unto our Lord. We didn't. We we thought it was fairly harmless that that we that we followed this football team or that we followed this baseball team or we follow this other thing. We thought it completely harmless that we would have such a such a joy in those things because they're. They are actually completely harmless, right? I mean, just because the game was on, you know, Sunday and, you know, I'm just going to skip church because this is going to be the most important game. I mean, Super Bowl, you know, churches nowadays have sacrificed their principles of being a house of God for the house of Super Bowls. They, they've thrown parties. They have sermons about this, this game. They, have, they do all of these things. They, it, it becomes a, 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 literally a thing worshipped in that, in the house of God. <laughs> and so we might think that these things be harmless, that we enjoy, but then let's consider the one to whom we are replacing in order to enjoy them. You know, the the three hours that you would be enjoying that 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 football game that that you have 
paid no attention to your wife or your kids or the, the, the time that you would travel to go see the game when it's in the local area and and be out with the guys and leave your family behind the amount the amount of attention that that you give to the practice of a particular type of of sport that would separate you from from what God gave you and a beautiful spouse and beautiful children and beautiful things like that the the, the desires that we would pour into this thing that would be of such a passion that it would separate us from even God but at the same time we wouldn't be thinking that that it would be that way because it's a passion of our soul and God would understand or God has given us this thing to be able to do so God's right there in it with me so I'm not considering myself as being separated from God and by the way we give a quick minute or two prayer to God. We we huddle together and we, we drop a quick prayer for God to give us victory, even though both teams are have people on their, their teams that are doing the same thing and only one's going to get the victory. But anyway, we 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 have this prayer. And and the point is is that to think that God would be watching the game when he is God and has so many other children around the world that are suffering and persecution and that are struggling and that are in earnest praying and that are that are that are dying for their faith just like the challenges that now immediately present the Christians in Afghanistan it just we are so foolish <laughs> and this is what what the point Paul is making is, let no man glory in men, in verse 21, for all things are yours. He said, don't glory in me, rather Paul, don't glory in Apollos, don't glory in, in Peter, which is Cephas, don't glory in the world, which would be the majority of things I just finished talking about, don't glory in life or in death or in things present or things to come, because we have to understand that all these things belong to us anyways because they belong to Jesus and we are in Jesus's hands and Jesus belongs in God's hands it's the ultimate headship of the father over us he says in verse 19 the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God plain and simple well, of course, the wisdom of the world is going to be foolishness to God because the wisdom of the world is trying to disprove that God exists. The wisdom of the world is trying to erase God. The wisdom of the world is trying to draw men away from God. So the wisdom of the world indeed is going to be foolishness with God because it's pulling man away from God. And as God had created us, and this is kind of important because just as I was talking on Sunday, there there is a worldly mindset within every Christian. In other words, we often live a duality of thinking, okay? We're talking about Noah in, in our Sunday series of sermons right now, and as we consider the life and times of Noah, we often think of those periods or that era of time as being one 
primitive, as one that that was that was man just beginning to be man and 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 thing you know just just being in caves and not having a an audible or written language and or knowing anything and thus we we find this situation that exists where where we just we have this idea that it was a primitive world when in fact it's it was much more advanced in in my studies that I've been looking into the de- the life and times of Noah uh, it, they lived in a world that was way more advanced in many ways than what we've even been able to achieve in in our modern day it, it was insane the amount of civilization the amount of city the amount of of creation that they had designed and it's no wonder as you consider that the the first thousand years of man's existence would would majoritively have most of of those people still in existence or alive for instance the first man adam was 930 years at the point of his passing which would have brought him into the first seven generations as it was or first six generations of of those who were alive on the earth and and with Methuselah being 969 years of age uh, and and still being alive at the point where the ark is being constructed at Noah being 600 years of age which really points the to the fact that you have most of this first generation of of people from creation from Adam all being alive together, all building society together, and don't mistake the fact that there were societies aside from Seth. Cain had a whole civilization of people as revealed in his timeline that would be separated from from Seth that was that was marked and was in the land of Nod, but they, their civilizations had increased and had built Seth and his civilizations up to Lamech and then who was the father of Noah and then to Noah they increased I mean you've you've got a bountiful society in the world at this point of time you've got you've got bountiful cities and and just an abundance of people and so we we work off of what the wisdom of man has tried to tell us as concerning evolutionary thought we've worked off of the way that that man has tried in his wisdom to explain how things got here and how old things are and a lot of believers a lot of churches and organizations try to implement the ideologies of evolution into God's creation story and so that they they may be able to justify both sides when really they just do damage to to Christianity in as a whole for it causes people even in in churches like where we're at where you've had your education from school and then you get your education from Sunday school and you have these two different very different ways of thinking collide within a person so that they don't know exactly what to believe because they don't necessarily want to say that their their scholastic education was wrong because if it was wrong why in the world did I go to it 
Uh, and so we don't want to think that the, the scholastic education is wrong, but then they pump us full of science classes that, that actually try to teach us about history more than science, and they pump us full of history classes that try to explain the evolutionary theories to us, which is supposed to be science, but we discover that it's neither science nor is it history because it's false. And, and, and we, we get years of that, and so we, we want to say that we got a good education, so we, we lift that up and we, we just believe those things simply because we were sent to the school to learn, and so that's what we learn, so that's what we believe. But then in church, we hear about Jesus, we hear about creation, we hear about God making all things, and, and we, we hear these two divergent and totally different ways of of all things coming into existence and so we just really don't think about it all that much and or we honor what we learned in school more than what we learn in church because we we as a society have valued the school education more than the church education as church being something more of a uh, something fun to do, a, a place to go, a part of our history as a people. Uh, we've considered church a lot of things, but as an institution for learning, we, we have not considered church to be that. And so we value the understanding that we got from the school, even though the majority of it that, that was false in its contradiction to what God said, in which case God said that that is true. So... You, you reach this place where you've deceived your own self. And verse number 18 of 1 Corinthians 3 tells us this, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Well, the very point of that, the wisdom of the world, is foolishness with God. So the person becoming a fool is is looking at the wisdom that they have upheld in this world and discovering that that be false comparatively to God's teachings from his word, that they reject the wisdom of man and hold fast to the wisdom of God. That's what he's saying. If, if you seem to be wise in this world, become a fool as to take that wisdom that you seem to be wise with and reject it for the wisdom that comes from God. Now, the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you actually get into an intensive study of God's Word so that you may realize those things which God has said compared to those things which we see in the world to be able to, to trust in God, to trust that God knows what he's talking about, that the word of God is, is an actual, literal, historical, literal, scientific document, which, by the way, it is. And, and, and every subject that you can think of in, in the, the school is taught in Scripture. Mathematics taught in Scripture. English, obviously, taught in Scripture. In fact, the Bible was the principal English book that was used for vocabulary, that was used for for diagramming and sentence structure, that was used for for reading for how many uh, centuries in the United States before we separated from God and went into this communist way of education. But that'll get me in trouble, so I'll back up and go to the, the point. Is that when we discover the wisdom of this world... We must understand that its wisdom is seen as foolishness to God, and in order 
to to grow in the wisdom of God, we're going to have to separate ourselves from the wisdom of the world. Therefore, he said, verse number 18, if any among you seem to be wise in this world, let them become fools. In other words, the world around you is going to immediately reject you when you trust in the things of God more than in the things of the world. The world around you is going to consider you to be a fool for separating yourself from its design, from its wisdom, and to the things of God as being wise. So let him become a fool that he may be wise. And what's the point? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And so we move up to verse number 17 and verse number 16 where we were starting off the day. He says, do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Well, he says, if any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, as he is speaking to a collective group, understand that he is speaking to the church at Corinth as a whole. And this is very important for us to understand. Now, as concerning the church of Corinth, you're dealing with each individual that makes up that church. Each one of you is a tabernacle under the Lord. The tabernacle was a tent that, that was for the, the wandering people of Israel during the days of the, of the wilderness journey, and so God gave them the tabernacle. But that was a tent. And, and just like your life, when you leave church, you're going to spend your week wandering in the wilderness of this world in the area that you live. You're going to be going to to your workplace. You're going to be going to your schools. You're going to be going to you're going to be going to a lot of different areas that that happen throughout the week in your life. And then then this is the tabernacle of the Lord for the Holy Spirit dwells within that tabernacle. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And so you become an ambassador as revealed in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 beginning in verse number 20 and working the way down uh, to 21. You are an ambassador at that point as you leave church, you go out into the world, you're proclaiming the gospel of Christ with your life, with your words, with your actions. Everything about you is the gospel of Christ unto this world because you are a child of God. Therefore, you have become a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you and you are the proclamation of God's grace and God's mercy to an entire world around you, regardless of where you go. Now, if you have not been living your life as an example of the Lord in His mercy and His grace in telling others about the salvation they can obtain in Jesus, then you've simply not been doing your job. You've simply not been living as a tabernacle of the Lord. And, and this is so vital for us to understand because when we gather together, do we not understand that we are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in us? He said, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Well, <laughs> There's another place in which Paul would say, I believe, let's see, 1 Corinthians, let me think about it for a second. I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 that we get to that talks about communion or talks about the celebration of the Passover and, and Jesus' life. 
And he says that when we take that communion cup and we, we eat that communion bread unworthily, in other words, our heart isn't in it, our heart has not been in the service of our king, we're, we're, we're just doing this as a religious rite or an activity and it really doesn't mean anything to us. He said, you're taking damnation to yourself. He, he said, there, there's a reason why there are a lot of people around us today that are sick. And, and there, there are reasons why some of them have even, as Paul likes to say it, fallen asleep. Really what that means is died. But Paul is one of those guys that is so, so enthralled by the salvation that he's obtained that he only sees death as a period of of the body resting in the ground because he knows that at the point of his last breath that he'll be that he'll be present with the Lord in the air he knows that he'll be in the throne room of God as he revealed in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord so he only considers it as the body resting in the ground or in the tomb or in a, in the ocean or wherever the body is is that it's a point of rest because he understands that the child of God can never die and that's kind of important to understand as well, is that the child of God can never die. But the child of God can be taken out of this world early, like Ananias and Sapphira, for rebellion that they have before God. So a child of God can be taken out of this world early, especially if you're not doing as your father has commanded. It's kind of like a, a really long time out. It's kind of like a, a, a really long grounding, as it was. And he says in verse number 16, Do you not understand that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if you defile the temple of God, that he's going to destroy you? Think not that, that because you're a child of God, that you're going to get away with being like the world as, as revealed throughout verse number 18 and 19. Don't, don't think for a second that just because you're a child of God gives you every right to be able to get back into the things of the world, and maybe even more so at times, because you must realize that, that God is paying attention to his children. Now, those that, are, that do not belong to God have an appointment with death. They have an appointment with judgment, and God is, is not concerned about their doings except that they repent and come to faith in him. But God is very attentive to the doings of his children. Remember when he said to Solomon that, that his eyes are attentive and ears open unto the prayers and the activities that are being done in that, that particular temple. And that when the, the tongues of fire fell upon the church in Acts chapter number 2 and God signified that this be the place where his glory would rest, that, yeah, he's paying very, very close attention to your life, to your churches, and, and the activities that are done inside your churches, the activities that are done in your personal life, the, the direction, the, the will, the desire, the passions, the things that are happening. God is paying attention to all of those things. He's not ignoring any, any one of us. And he really, Paul, but through the will of God, really wants us to understand that if we defile this temple, whether it be my body or whether it be the church I belong to, if we defile this temple, God will destroy it. 
we we need to realize that there are a lot of of things that have happened in churches. There, there are more than 1,400 churches, I think, was a statistic one time that we looked at maybe two years ago. 1,400 churches were closing their doors every month. But when you begin to defile those things that are important to God, it, God's going to destroy that temple. I mean, you think about the destruction of the, of the temple in 70 AD. Do you think that Rome could do that you think that Nero had the power to be able to do that you think that 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 this was something that they were capable of doing of themselves or did God destroy that temple in that that temple was just a place of of worship of man it was not a place of the worship of God for they they ra- rallied or I should say rallied reveled in their own ways not in the ways of God. They honored the Romans more than they honored the king, who is Christ. They, God destroyed that temple. God destroyed the temple of, of Solomon. God did away with the tabernacle that Moses built. I mean, this is all a work of God. No man would have been able to have overcome the house of God except God allow it. And God, through man, would often bring things to a destruction simply because they had rejected him. So it's very important to understand the power and authority of God over all these things that we're talking about today. He says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy it. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, as Apostle Paul I'm going to take you to a really quick spot over in 2 Corinthians. So we're going to look at that real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Moving down to the end of the chapter, he says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In verse number 14 to begin with. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light? with darkness and what concord has christ with belial or what part does he have with he that believe or what part does the, do those who believe have with an infidel and what agreement does the temple of god have with idols for you are the temple of the living god As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty." Interesting that he would say in verse number 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Then he goes down and says, You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then you consider that verse number 16 of our current chapter we're studying, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The connection being that we we ought not to have any fellowship with these other things that often grip our hearts. We we just don't, we should be holy 
unto God. Very important. And the last thing I want to bring you to is in our current book, 1 Corinthians and chapter number 6. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And it comes down and says to us in verse number 19. What? He says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to God. That that word God's at the end of that sentence is with an apostrophe as meaning a possessive of God. He owns you. So this this all ties together with this beautiful point that is revealed in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. That, that would be brought to the point if any man's work abide. In verse 14, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. For don't you understand that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you, and that if any man defiles the temple of God, that, that God will destroy him? For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are." I would just submit to you this today as as a point in closing. Did you get any of this today? If, if you didn't, there's only one true point that really needs to be obtained by your heart today. You belong to God. If indeed you are a child of God, you belong to Him. Your life was lived in sin up until the point where you accepted Jesus to be your Savior. And in that life filled with sin was such a tragedy that God would take that life from you, put himself into it, and then begin to mold you out of that tragedy and into a brand new victory that can only come through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> And yet we find in our, our hearts this great desire to remain in the tragedy instead of living in the victory. And that the tragedy ought to pass away as revealed in, in, again in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 that the, the old things would pass away and that all things would become new, that we would let the tragedy pass so that we could live in the victory. You've got to make that decision. You've got to make that choice. You can't follow the wisdom of man and be able to make that choice correctly. You can't follow the ways of man. For the blind will only lead the blind into a ditch, as Jesus taught. You can't do it. You've got to surrender to the Lord and grow in the knowledge of His Word and live His Word out in your life to be pleasing to God and this beautiful temple that He speaks of. The choice is yours. And you alone can make it. All people like me, all people around you can do is help guide you and teach you and explain these things to you. But you're the one that's got to make that choice. I encourage you to make that choice. Today, make that choice for Jesus. Father, we thank you and ask that blessing upon us as we consider these things today. That you will lead our souls in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, 
And we'll catch you tomorrow for Wisdom Wednesday. It's going to be an exciting day. So see you there.